Fuck pain. Fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. Tonight, it's interview time again, as our pal, writer, comic, and podcast host Jamie Kilstein joins us again to sort out our current condition, including, if there's no path to redemption, people will just double down on being assholes. Finding Jamie a girlfriend may end the pandemic. Girl and Monster, Jingles for Blackwater, and in order to follow your gut and make the art you want to make. Here we go! And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, Batten down the hatches and prepare to open your mind for the Drunken Dows podcast begins now. Welcome back, everybody. Another fun episode of the Drunken Dows podcast, episode 185. Our pal Jamie Kilstein's joining us today, and it's a great conversation. But before we get to that, the poor sponsorless podcast has somebody that's hanging out with us today. Our new friends at Manscaped.com. It's exactly what you think it is. Yes. It's a groomer for you down under. The greatest trimmer ever. You can try to hurt yourself with it. You will fail, <laughs> but all the hair will come off. So for any uh, south of the border trimming you may need, that's the way to go. Their slogan, brilliant, whoever created it is my new hero, is your balls will thank you. But as And they the, actually do. It was a weird thing. I'm laying there, it's like... Whoa! <laughs> what was that? And as uh, it's my scrotum. And as Rich has heard from somebody, somewhere, somehow, apparently not only men enjoy such things. They uh, it can do a good trimming for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody can participate. Yes. So manscape. You know, humanscape. Savannah once went to a um, waxer to a jujitsu. Oh, uh, to jujitsu, and she we had uh, she had a manscape T-shirt because they sent it to us, and she had like manscape. Your balls will thank you. Her poor Justin, her poor jujitsu coach, just look at her and was like, "Oh God, I don't even want to ask." <laughs> you know, just like, why is Savannah always so weird? But. Uh, Yes. It comes in a handsome carrying case. But that, he's only thinking that because he didn't get to try it yet. See, there you go. If once only he, he tries, known. his balls would thank him and he would be a satisfied customer. It did lead to some eyebrow shaving on uh, folks that fell asleep on the couch. So that's been a bit of a problem. Oh, I like that. But I think these drawn-on Vs are looking pretty great. So, And they're not gray anymore. Sweet. It's a whole new look. So it works out. <laughs> it's water-resistant, so you can use it in the shower. Quite amazing. And it's got a headlight on it, so, you know, you could use it in the shower in the dark if yeah. you're kind of embarrassed. <laughs> Just pretend it's somebody else in the other region. Or if you really got a good pal, someone might take care of it for you to oh, make wow. sure you Because know, that's, uh, that's how those, those people I talked about, friends, uh, went about the... Um, I'm going to ask my dog, clearance. Azug the Defiler, if he wants to participate in my trimming, uh, in my intimate trimming needs. I'm going to leave that right yeah. there. <laughs> 
Come on, it's in the name. It's also good at the filer. If he doesn't do terrible things to people every so often, he's not satisfied. And this is not even terrible, so that would redeem him a little bit. So if that doesn't sell it, uh, yes. What's the what's the old, what's the old code there? Is it Taoist? Taoist. T a o i s t. Yes, and you go to manscape.com. You got twenty percent off and free shipping. Again, manscape.com. Twenty percent off, free shipping with the code Taoist. If you listen. You can hear the little buzzing. Those aren't those aren't vibrators. Those are manscapers. But they both produce equal happiness. So here you go. Okay. So thank you to Manscaped. Um, shout out to GrasslandBeef.com. They have been sweet to us. They've been sending us their products. That's deeply appreciated. You want to order online um, meat, chicken, fish, you name it. They have super high quality stuff. Grasslandbeef.com. Check them out. So we're going to say thank you to the sweet folks supporting the podcast right up front. Not at the end by the time nobody listens no more. So let's go screw up a few people's names. Let the pottering begin. We got Jim D'Amico, Catherine Merriweather. Froggy Style Productions, Liam Cannon, Robert Primus, Samuele Rudelli, Lane Raper, Yanni Linima, Luis Peschera, Jesse Rantakangas, Aaron Weisner, Christopher Parcel, and an anonymous donor who only wish for a quick EQ poem to be read, and I'll pick one that's quick and to the point, and good old EQ Sojun says, sitting around chanting sutras, that's crap. Getting laid. That's great wisdom. On that brilliant note, thank you so much to these folks. Thank you so much, everybody. It does help. to go fishing in oh. the Pacific Ocean. How was that? It was fantastic. Got a blast. It's a boat that carries 60 and it had 18 people on it. For, nice. And they, you know, social distance. Social just fishing distance and uh, actually brought some nice fish home. A couple That's... ocean white fish, which they weren't even 12 hours old when I put them in the broiler. Beautiful. And it's so great. Oh. And then I got something called a sculpin, which is a scorpion fish. Mm-hmm. And my pal Will caught a scorpion fish tying in his hand. How? He said it was like 50 hornets, oh. and his hand swelled up, and it kept him off the rail for almost an hour and a half. But so being a true fisherman, he rose above. But yeah, it so got him you, good. if you don't want that, grasslandbeef.com, exactly. you could get your fish delivered instead. Already filleted and ready and less, and less dangerous, poisonous tines. And ready to roll. So, of course, shout out to um, Shore Design T-shirts. Um, if you guys are interested in our t-shirts or in short designs, you can check it out in the episode notes. So if you guys uh, want to support the podcast, which would be incredibly sweet, paypal.me forward slash D, as in Daniele, and then last name Bolelli, B-O-L-E-L-L-I. Again, paypal.me forward slash D Bolelli. Or you can use our Amazon link, and that would be incredibly sweet because it doesn't cost you a dime extra. You just click on it, and then you go to Amazon the way you always would. But it helps the podcast automatically. And that's, you go through a link to dbamazing.com. Be amazing. Be amazing. Be amazing. Be amazing. Be amazing.
Amazing.com and he will automatically work out for us. I think that's it. Ladies and gentlemen, here we are with another episode of the Drunken Taoist. We have the man himself, the legend, larger than life, Mr. Jamie Kielstein. What's Thank up? you for reading that intro exactly how I instructed you to do it before. Uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> you put that $5 in there and it happens. It's amazing. I, I was going to go even more flamboyant, but I, I decided, uh, let's start easy. <laughs> Thank you guys for uh, Thank you guys for having me. Of course, always a pleasure. Yes, How are you yes. doing? Uh, well, I had a. I was just recording a podcast with uh, Russell Peters and yep. uh, fucking Chuck Liddell just showed up in the middle of the podcast, just like at Russell Peters' house to kick it. So I ended up doing that like literally seconds before doing this interview, and so I didn't have time to eat. And so I just have been eating ice cream and pounding coffee, and I feel my body, I feel my voice getting louder as my body is completely atrophying and shutting down. So I'm in, that, that, that's where I'm at right now. I'm sorry, your diet currently is ice cream and coffee? It's, it, it's, look, I had a lot to do today. I'm I not judging. Sound, but... I tried to sound professional by name dropping, uh, but yeah. Uh, if we're going to break it down and make it simple, my diet has been ice cream and coffee today. It's it's the end times. You might as well enjoy yourself. Okay, I am. Live I, your best life, they say. I am judging a little. Bellelli just got off a 40-day cleanse, so he's very uh, angry about anything that's not celery right now. Yeah, it's like, uh, mainly I'm envious. I'm like, you motherfucker. You got to eat Well, this. hold on. But, Danielle, I'll, I'll say this, though. Like, yeah. I don't feel good. Like, I feel emotionally very bad. <laughs> bad about myself yeah. my my throat's dry i have zero nutrients like i'm starting it's this weird thing with depression where and i talk about this on my podcast but whenever you're depressed or for me i've been alone all the quarantine literally right. the first time in my life single right I and, and and I did it by choice. I was like, I think I'm codependent. I, I I've gotten into so many shitty relationships. I'm like, I'm going to be single. And then I was like, you know, like February hit. It was a month. I was like, this is long enough. Maybe I can go out and date. And if there was a God, God was like, the only way we can stop Jamie from being codependent is a global viral outbreak. And a quarantine. <laughs> so I have been by myself, single, alone for the first time for months this entire time. And, you know, I've had bouts of depression, but also a lot of really good times. And it's so crazy because when you're depressed, you tell yourself, you know, you, if you have a breakup, you go, oh, I'm going to go out and get drunk or I'm going to go hang out with my friends or I'm going to order a pizza or I'm going to eat shitty or whatever. And those are always the things that will make you feel 
infinitely worse. Like sure. the times, <laughs> I don't eat ice cream a lot, but I go, you know, it'll be fun. I'm going to buy some ice cream. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's not fun eating ice cream at two in the afternoon. Not fun at all. Like I don't feel, I don't feel good. Or I, I went to do stand up last week for the first time uh, in a while. And I was like, oh, I'm going to have like two drinks, not even a lot. And then the next day, I just like, I didn't really want to run. I felt kind of depressed. And I, you forget that alcohol is also like a depressant. So it's one of those things where all of these things can be enjoyed in moderation and should be enjoyed. And there's fun ways to do it. But I'm telling you, and it's so hard to believe, but the times I am the happiest are legitimately just when I'm training and eating healthy. And then when I go, I'm going to live like a real person and drink and eat ice cream and shit. I immediately hate myself. You know, I learned two things from this uh, speech. Uh, thing number one, the entire coronavirus pandemic is hundred percent your fault because you convinced the powers that be to unleash the pandemic just so that you could break your codependent cycle. So if anybody's miserable at the moment about the coronavirus pandemic, now you know who to blame. It's not the Chinese. It's not some uh, Soros conspiracy. It's Jamie so, and his codependency. That's fi- what guys, find me a nice girlfriend and this will end. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think that's... Uh, okay, I like how you twisted it around. I like, I like how he went from, you know, pitchfork and fire and everything to this. So that's... Yeah, uh, that's like a true codependent. We're very good at rationalizing our bullshit. That's, that was excellent. So, And the other thing is that I learned that you eat just painfully bad American crap because gelato at two in the afternoon, good old-fashioned Italian gelato is like the greatest satisfaction in the history of the universe. And it raises your IQ. It makes your muscle shine more. It makes you buff. Uh, it gains you testosterone. It just does all of it all at once. See, and, I thought it was the curse uh, of the Dodgers that's been put on me for these past six years that caused the pandemic. And now that they had a team that, that had added some incredible parts that certainly they were going to do well, then by all means, that had to be destroyed. And I thought that's what had caused the pandemic. No, no, it's all Jamie's fault. Let's I, get this clear. I, I feel much better now. Yes, you should. That's the gist of what's happening over here. Apologies to... Uh, Apologies to everybody. Well, the good thing is that in, we are not even 10 minutes into the podcast and we have already found the solution to the coronavirus pandemic. We yeah. just need to get your girlfriend. So that seems, you know, any volunteers, please reach out to Jamie. That yeah. would be... You guys, follow me on Instagram. I'm trying to stay off Twitter, listen to my podcast, and uh, I think we can wrap it up there. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Instagram, during the during this pandemic, you have been uh, putting out videos that are absolutely fucking lootly hilarious. Yes. Uh, oh, thanks, man. Both about, you know, they are comedy skits about jujitsu. You have been doing this um, comic about the girl and the monster, which I dig a lot. Uh, why don't you tell the good folks a little bit about both both aspects of the work? Yeah, well, like a true artist, I will frame it in a self-hating way instead of uh, promotion, sure. uh, which I'm very bad at, which is I – okay, so the codependent thing, I mean, that was 100% true. And before all of this happened, before COVID happened, in one week – I said this on stage the other day, and I don't think people believe me, but uh, my cat died. Uh, my mom almost died and my girlfriend left. 
Um, my favorite part about that is when I said it on stage. Uh, I said my cat died. Everyone went aw, and then I went. My mom almost died, and my girlfriend left. And then I had to say. I love the fact that you guys only awed at the cat dying, uh, which was true. That was legitimately the only thing they awed about, and it was the it was the thing I was the most fucking devastated about. Uh, it was horrible. Are you and, are you a phenomenal blues musician by now? Like you have enough material for every blues song ever written. I know, but I'm still liberal, and so I would feel guilty that it was cultural appropriation. I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep my good Los Angeles lefty card, even though I live in uh, Arizona and I'm like a day away from buying a gun. Uh, yeah, I, dude. I mean, that it, it was so crazy, and people, people would be like, "Why were you the most upset about the cat?" And like, you know, I rescued the cat in Los Angeles, and he was sort of. My my ride or die when I, I lost all my money and was broke and was building myself back up. And and I think with animals, it's so upsetting when an animal dies because, like, they don't know what's happening. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, my mom knew. Like, my cat didn't choose a life of alcoholism. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, my mom <laughs> knew what got her into trouble. Uh, and so I was just heartbroken. And one of the things I've started to live by, which is... If my life's falling apart or if I have to deal with mass amounts of pain, I will not accept coming out the other side neutral. If I'm going to go through pain, if I'm going to suffer, mm -hmm. I'm going to come out the other end stronger and more successful. And that's honestly what got me through because I – oh, and then I got like the flu the next week, maybe COVID. Who the fuck knows? And I was just lying in bed, crying about my cat, couldn't move, was all alone in this apartment for the first time. And I was just like, there is no fucking way that I'm going to play the victim, be a sad sack this entire time. I'm going to be sad. You can be sad. You should recognize those emotions. But I made a list. I was like, what's everything that I couldn't do? Because I was in a relationship or because I couldn't leave my cat for a certain amount of time. So traveling, gigs, career stuff. And that's what I did with quarantine, where quarantine happened. And if anyone doesn't know me, the two years I was almost famous, all of my stand-up, all the newspapers were comparing me to Bill Hicks and Carlin. It was very angry. It was yelling. And what I realized is I'm not an angry guy. I've never been an angry guy. The, I, I, I was writing about politics, and when I write, I can be vicious for sure, you know? But in my day-to-day -day life, I'm not screaming and yelling. I'm, I'm usually a little on the naive side. I am an optimist. I'm very like, we're all one with nature, man. Like, I'm a hippie. And... The things that always made me laugh, you know, I loved Hicks and Carlin, but the things that make me laugh a lot of times are silly or character based or whatever. And when I was in Los Angeles dealing with agents and managers, I convinced myself that I had to be the political guy. I had to be the angry political guy. 
And so when quarantine happened, and I never took acting roles, I never wrote, I was convinced that I'm a bad writer because I'm a high school dropout. I was convinced that I couldn't act because I'm not good looking. And I'm like, I'm the angry guy who screams and yells, there's no God on stage and has a very niche audience where I will only be famous in vegan restaurants and like socialist gatherings. <laughs> and when quarantine happened and I couldn't do stand up and I couldn't perform, I was like, fuck this. I'm going to do everything that I've always wanted to do to see if it'll work. And I started doing these character videos on Instagram. I ordered a, a, a new Fender Strat and started writing music again. And it turns out people fucking love it. This, the, yeah, this comic, um, it's been being called by everybody kind of like an edgier female Calvin and Hobbes. It's just about this badass little girl um, and her monster called Girl Monster. That's just on my Instagram. And it's all these projects that I've had in the back of my mind that agents never took seriously. That agents were always like, you're not a cartoonist or no one knows what jujitsu or MMA is or, you know, every my agents still who I plan on firing shortly are like, just do stand up. Just keep doing stand up. And they're missing all of these really cool different things. And I learned that if you just, uh, this sounds so cheesy, but if you just follow your gut, follow your heart, make the art that you want to make and put it out there, you're either going to learn, all right, this isn't my thing, or you're going to do something brand fucking new and start attracting a brand new audience. And, and, and so that's what's been happening. And I mean, honestly, it came out of desperation. It came out of trying to find some kind of light in a really dark situation. And it came out of refusing to accept the narratives that I've made about myself where I am this type of person. I am this type of artist and just doing the shit that I want to do. And I think that authenticity reads to an audience even if they don't know why it's connecting to them and it's one of the most important things you can do as an artist if you have an idea and you go this isn't going to be profitable this isn't going to make money but fucking something is clawing at me to do it do it because chances are it's exactly what you were meant to do and it will make you money because it's brand new and no one's fucking doing it What's the worst thing you could possibly do is just chase it for the money because you're not doing it for the right reason, if that's the case. You should do it because it's, like you said, going to explode out, you, out of you one way or the other. Yeah. Did you find that this pause that we're all having was a great moment, though? Did it help you out at all? Because I feel very much, you know, with all this time on my hands, I could have just sat and watched Netflix, but I didn't. I've meddled with a lot of things that have been waiting for that opportunity, music especially. Yeah, I mean, it's 100% what got me through I would have been in a very dark situation if I wasn't making these things. And it's so funny when you start to make the things you're supposed to make, like I can't watch my stand-up sets. I can't watch my stand-up set from Conan. I can't, I cringe and I never could. These dumb little comedy videos I'm making on Instagram, dude, I'll watch them over and over again. I'm making myself laugh for the first time. I'm, I'm listening to my music. I'm, actually enjoying the the art I'm making. And and I, I just want to say for your audience where 
what you said just now about making something for the money is never the right way. It sounds like a cliche and people will hear that and go, yeah, obviously, you know, why would I be a fucking artist if I'm going to do that? It's so much more insidious than people think it is where I, dude, I didn't think I was like that at all because I was this edgy comedian and I was, you know, uh, yeah, trying to be Bill Hicks. And I would I, 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 I'd get banned from TV shows because I talked about drone strikes. And, you know, to me, I'm like, I'm the antithesis of selling out. But we all have that voice. We all have that voice that goes, I want to tweet this thing. But like, oh, what if like. What if Rogan sees that I tweeted it and it's a little too liberal? Or what if the opposite happens? What if the left sees it and it's a little too edgy, you know? Um, or these moments where, you know, my agent was like, don't write a book. I'm, I'm doing this audio book thing right now and I might just put it out myself on Bandcamp. And I'm really proud of it. And my agents, I told them the subject and they go, uh... Uh, it, it, a lot of it deals with suicide and they go, it's too grim, like grim books don't exist, you know? So they go, just do stand up. And to me, I mean, to, to, to the casual person and even to me doing stand up isn't selling out, doing stand up isn't going after the money because stand up is still a hard, artistic, risky thing, but it is. It's, oh, I have agents telling me to do this because it's the easy path. Whereas this book, no one's done something like it before. So there are, I think when people hear what you just said, when they hear selling out or doing something for the money, they think about, you know, writing jingles for fucking Blackwater. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> uh, 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 writing a song that, you know, like Walmart's good for the country or whatever when they just want to write, you know, jazz fusion improv songs. But it can be <laughs> way more subtle. It can be as uh, as tiny as, oh man, am I going to lose followers if I tweet about Black Lives Matter or like, I really want to make fun of fucking Jordan Peterson right now, but like this guy follows me and he's friends with them or something like I'm known as a comedian, but I really want to write a fucking love song. Like there are so many different versions of it um, that even though I thought I was this edgy counterculture artist, I was a hundred percent playing it safe. Um, some of the times and it, it, it uh, took quarantine and being out of Los Angeles. You know, I live in the mountains in Arizona where I was like, I'm just going to do what I want for the first time and see what happens. And I went from completely broke, maxing out my credit card, buying groceries to uh, um, like probably I'm doing like I'm close to doing the best I've ever done. Um, not there yet, but getting there. Well, Blackwater Jingle will do that for you, you know? If you have a population that needs to be blown away, call Blackwater and the drones are on the way. I don't know. We're working on it. 
I like it. Or do they only pay in uh, uh, Bitcoin? Uh, the body parts of oh. dead Iraqi civilians. And I want my scalps. That's unfortunate, but no. And I think the thing is, <laughs> reality is nobody knows what's going to sell and what's not going to sell. You know, all the agents, publishers, recording, music industry, nobody knows for sure what's going to sell and what's not going to sell. So at least if you're going to do something, at least do it for the stuff that if doesn't sell one copy, at least it made you happy. And on top of it, there is even a chance that it actually is going to sell because some of the stuff that sell the most, often what you are saying, you know, people, not always, by no means always, but sometimes people respond to something that's so completely off base that doesn't make any sense by any parameter. I mean, think about, like I was talking with somebody about, uh, you know, Dan Carlin's Hardcore History. This motherfucker, and I say motherfucker with all the love in the world for good old Dan Carlin, but like he does podcasts that are, he releases like two episodes a year and they are about six hours long as part of a like a multi-part series on like the most minute aspects of history. According to every logical metric in the world, he should have a drunken dog and an homeless guy who just want two bucks if he sits through all of it <laughs> to uh, listen yeah. to him. He should have no audience whatsoever. And he has millions of people listening. So it shows you that there's some weird X factor there that you can't quite quantify, that no agent is ever going to figure out, that no, that sometimes it works. And again, and if it doesn't, at least you did your thing and you had fun in the process. Yeah, and th this is what's so... I mean, what you said is the most important, obviously, which is you're, you. at least you're doing your thing. But... Even from a business level, I love that Dan Carlin example. The three examples I give when someone says, you know, I want to write this, but I'm afraid it won't sell. One, you should just be writing it because it's your calling and you yep. want to write it, right? Like if you, from jujitsu to writing to podcasting, you should just do the thing because you love it, like you said, and you want to do the thing. But the three examples I give are Rogan, The Wire, and Wally. Where Rogan's my favorite because much like Carlin, it's like if you were to pitch Rogan's show to an agent and you were like, hey, sometimes I'm going to interview like a hunter and a UFC fighter, but then I'll have Bernie Sanders on and then like Alex Jones, they'll be like, no, you got to like. It has to it has to be more streamlined. It has to be more focused. And then Rogan would be like, wait, I didn't tell you the best part. It's going to be three fucking hours. That'd be like, get out of my office. Right. Yeah. Wally, which won an Academy Award, silent except to make fun of consumerism, capitalism. The climax is. Uh, the the tint of a robot's eye changes a little bit. The Wire, where it's like you have a cop show that doesn't glorify violence. That actually, anytime a gun is fired, it's like kind of jarring. Uh, and it's examining the war on drugs and 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 and, and the press and uh, political corruption and all this shit. These are things that shouldn't have existed. You know, my first podcast that was really successful was successful because at the time no one was doing comedy and politics now nowadays that sounds like the hackiest thing you can do because everyone's doing it well back then we needed that voice though because you guys were you know there was a million rush limbaugh's but there was nothing like you guys yeah well and also it was but it came from it came from rejection 
and this is what I, I, I think a really important lesson for people, myself included, where I wasn't doing well in comedy because I was too political. And a lot of times when we kind of tried to recruit political people, we were too filthy, like edgy and offensive. Yeah. And so it was when podcasting was coming out. And it was like, oh, well, we can just do both things. But it was literally, I mean, distill down what an artist is, right? It's like, I want to express myself. That's what it is. But I think that gets lost nowadays because you just go, how am I going to make it? How am I going to get money? I mean, Danielle, you've probably got this before, but like so many people will ask me about how do I set up a Patreon account before they even have an audience sure. or a show? Sure. And you can't. You can't think about money. And it's so hard to say that, but you can't think about that. You have to say, what am I supposed to be doing? What do I have to offer? How is my voice different? How is it going to stand out? And oftentimes the way it stands out is by doing that deep down thing that you get excited about, but you go, ah, no one else is going to like it. But when you do it, all of those people who felt the same way that also thought, uh, no one else is going to like it. They're going to flock to you. And that's the beginning of your audience. I dig it. Well, speaking of, uh, well, you brought it up a couple of times and it's something that I wanted to bring up as well. So perfect. I'm going to go there. You know, you talk about the political, like, oh, I'm going to tweet this and, uh, oh, by the way, I'm going to piss off this person or I'm going to piss off that person. You seem to have an amazing talent at pissing off a lot of people from different sides of the political spectrum. Uh, and yeah. That, yes. And, uh, and I think it's an interesting point, though, because you came from a clearly leftist background. Actually, you know what? Why don't you explain it a little bit, kind of your journey through the politics of it all? Because the point that I want to make later regarding, you know, even stuff I've read on your Instagram or something is the desperate desire of people to pigeonhole others in one very clear-cut ideological prison where you need to meet the 72 step to pass the ideological purity test and then you can be one of us, otherwise you are the enemy and there's nothing in between. You are either the enemy or you are the ex you know an extension of me. There's nothing in between. Um, but yeah, if you want to just maybe give people a bit of the journey that takes you to the present on these on the politics because yeah i would like to then uh, run off with it well uh in order to avoid having a ptsd type breakdown yes um uh where i where i relive no, the no, hell no. that was yeah. my last 10 years it's so funny when i used to do podcasts mm -hmm. i would get introduced as like uh you know this next guy funny man jamie kilstein you've seen him on conan uh you've seen him blah 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 and now my introductions for podcasts are, are, are like, uh, uh, our next guest has been on quite a harrowing journey. It's shocking <laughs> he's alive. Um, please welcome the very unstable and shaky Jamie Kilstein. Um, Shake it away. I mean, I've I, I, I've talked about it so much on Rogan and stuff like that. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of going to try to and fill in any blanks you want, but I'll try to kind of cut to the chase, Daniele, yeah. with what you're saying, which is um, I'll make it a little more relevant with what's happening yeah. right now with George Floyd. That's and where I was Black going Lives anyway. Yes. So in short, 
uh, I had a very progressive um, podcast. I then then that podcast kind of started doing the cancel culture stuff. Then uh, people came after me. Then I was being courted by sort of like more right wing. Like it's just all over the map. Uh, and essentially what would happen is if I said something a little more centrist, all these right wing people would be like, so you're one of us. Or if I said something, you know, a little more progressive, like it was exactly what you said, which was that if you have any views that reside in this gray area, people don't know what box to put you in. And mm -hmm. so what happened recently was, you know, I went on Rogan's a couple years ago and, um, I even went on some right wing shows. Like I wrote for Quillette. I went on fucking Glenn Beck show. I went on Glenn Beck show not to be, like a Dave Rubin type who's like, I used to be a liberal and here's what's wrong with the left. I went on Glenn Beck show because uh, he invited me on and I used to have Glenn Beck on my resume where my resume was like, it was a quote from Rolling Stone, a good quote about me. Then it was a quote from Robin Williams about me. And then it was Glenn Beck saying Jamie Kilstein is a doofus. And I put that on my resume. And Glenn Beck was doing this thing where he was apologizing for being an instigator of right wing extremism. And I was like, you know what? I played a role with that in the left. If I can go on Glenn Beck's show, if I can still say I'm a liberal, if I, you know, am not suddenly selling out. Right. And mm -hmm. I, I stay true to myself. Maybe I can actually change some minds. I think it's important. I think it's bullshit when Rogan gets in trouble for interviewing someone on the right. Um, I think that these conversations need to happen more. Um, and unfortunately don't, you know, again, if I went on to sell out, if I went on to be like, Hey Glenn, let me, uh, let me pitch you, uh, my new Blackwater song and like brought that back. Then again, we're, we're in trouble. Yeah. And it seemed fucking great. I was getting emails, you know, I spoke out against kids in cages. I spoke out for Palestine, things that have never been muttered on Glenn Beck's show. I got him to agree with stuff. You know, when I went on Rogan's, people thought I was going on and like trashing the left. But like, this was three years ago and I defended Black Lives Matter. You know, I've always stayed true to who I was. However, what happened was, so I probably got, let's say a thousand new followers from people kind of on the right center, right. And the, the shtick, which I'm sure you've talked about Daniele, but the, 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 the shtick of kind of the center, right intellectual dark web free speech crowd is we criticize the left as much as we criticize the right. Um, just cause I want free speech doesn't make me a racist, all this stuff, which I agree with. I think cancel culture can get out of control. I think when we have institutional racism, when we have black people being gunned down, when we have trans people being hate crimed, do we need to cancel Kevin Hart for a 10 year old tweet? Probably not. And I think that that doesn't even come from a progressive place. I think that comes from a bored, miserable people on Twitter place. 
By the way, if I'm all over the place and this isn't making sense, cut me off. But I, I promise I'm going somewhere. So I haven't really been political. I've been having a fucking blast making these jujitsu comedy videos, stuff like that. George Floyd happens. And I go, well, I guess I'm still very liberal because even though I have zero career opportunities right now for me on the left, this is injustice. Uh, there should absolutely be protest. We should absolutely be in the streets. Let's fucking go. And for the first time in my life, being removed from L.A., not being a political comic, not going on shows like Rogan, uh, I was like, oh, I get to just post about what I believe in without any subconscious career calculations. So I start tweeting about Black Lives Matter. Nothing crazy. Nothing, not calling anyone Nazis. I'm, I'm reposting some black voices. Um, I think I made... Uh, one comedy video about it. I'm getting a ton of black people from the MMA community and the jujitsu community reach out to me, thanking me for speaking out. Cause I guess a lot of white people in the jujitsu sphere were either being silent about it or some of our heroes were being quite racist about it. Yeah, they are. They are mostly pieces of shit. I yes. was like, Oh my God, I'm doing some good. Yes. All of these motherfuckers, Danielle, that you're talking about, all of the people on the right, on the center right, who constantly accuse liberals. If you don't fit all of their boxes, you're kicked out of their club. Did the exact same fucking thing. I would tweet Black Lives Matter and I would get all these responses. I lost like a thousand followers on Twitter, maybe only a hundred on Instagram because my Instagram is way tighter. Um, but people being like, Oh, I guess you're back to being a fucking social justice warrior. Oh, looks like Cuck McSnowflake is back. All this shit. Because I didn't fit their box anymore. Of course. I didn't fit into their narrative anymore. Of course. And they are correct when they say that the left with their infighting and you have to be perfect and you kick people out and you know, they get triggered and they're, they're right about all that. What they leave out is that they're the exact fucking same, except yep. they're also racist. So I'd rather <laughs> be on the side. That's a bunch of fucking babies, but at least they're not racist <laughs> and not afraid of masks and not afraid, dude, all of that stuff. It's just like, Guys, were you calling me a snowflake yeah. about being like, don't kill black people, <laughs> and you're throwing shit at cashiers because you have to wear a fucking mask? Like, Jesus Christ. Like, I've never seen people be such goddamn babies in their fucking life. And guys, if there, I don't know if masks work, but if there's a chance yeah. that I'm not going to, I don't know, kill an old person, cool. I'll fucking wear a mask to go into Target. Yeah, not exactly the biggest sacrifice in the universe. It's like pretty basic common courtesy. And if that's a high bar, then we got a problem, well, right? Well, a lot of folks don't remember the protest of the uh, no shoes, no shirt signs right. back in the 40s. There was a lot of trouble because uh, <laughs> that was just too much too tyranny. Uh, right. Yeah, it's wild. But one thing that you're also bringing up that I find interesting in terms of your um, kind of... I guess outlook on life, you know, the fact that in some way, even though you clearly 
if somebody's to fit you in a box, you fit more in a leftist box than Knox, you still don't. And you still are your own person, which is inevitably going to piss off some of the people on quote unquote your side, never mind those on the on another side. And also, you know, many people who don't fit either way, then they start thinking, oh, so maybe I'm a centrist. I have a more nuanced view. Centrist is not a more nuanced view in itself, because half of the time it's like it's the dogma of the centrist. I'm going to take an extreme position out there. I'm going to take an extreme position the other way. And somehow the middle is just going to be fine. And it's like on some issues, the middle is not fine. You know, like Sam Yang, I think you know Sam. Sam Yang was making kind of a funny point about taking centrism a little too far when he said, you know, if you have people who are saying, yes, let's go out and commit genocide, and another group say, please, let's not, doing a halfway genocide is not a sensible centric position. You know, that just still... Right. And so there's something to be said about that, that even centrist is not the the way to go. And unfortunately, we know when people ask you then what is the way to go, the, the unfortunate reality is that it cannot be summed up as a slogan. It cannot be summed up as a label that you stitch on and say, this is the box I fit in. You don't. That's the point, is you see things, you call, see, uh, you call stuff as you see it, and you are kind of in a case-by-case scenario, making up your mind, giving an opinion, and that opinion many times is going to fit on closer to one side than another. In other cases, you won't. In other cases, it will be somewhere in between. In other cases, it's 90-10. In other cases, it just, just like life, it varies, you know? But Lely will only fit into a hexagon. You jumped in, and I had to ignore this guy because this is the stuff that upsets me the most, where I posted a Black Lives Matter video... Mm-hmm. And again, my DMs filled with black people in the jujitsu space. Like, and, and I'm not trying to sound like some fucking savior, like, sure. but like thinking me, uh, that's just yeah. what happened. And then, yeah, some like white dude was like, oh, look who's trying to win back fucking liberals. Like, uh, why'd you go on Rogan if you want to? And it was one of those things that I just got so sad for this guy yeah. where it's like, man, if all of your beliefs are based on who's going to like me or not, the beliefs are incredibly shallow. Uh, I'll I'll get back to the centerist thing you said, but just on this point, for my career, where I'm at right now, sucks. And I don't think that I would have gotten there intellectually or morally if my life didn't completely bottom out. Um, I hate to say that, but tribalism for somebody who hates themselves is very appealing because you have people who back you up. Whereas when you do call it like you see it or however you want to phrase it, a lot of times you're a man without a country Mm -hmm. and for a confident person, that's great for me. uh, It's heartbreaking. And it's a lot of the, what's led to a lot of the depression during quarantine. But as a human being, Being outside of Los Angeles, not having my career dictated by my political points of view anymore. You know, on my podcast, we mainly talk about it's called a fuck ups guide to self-help. And so we're mainly talking about being broken together and getting better together. And we don't really talk about politics, which is great. But the fact that I was being courted by the center right, uh, by the right. And that I could have made a lot of money going down that road. Yep. And the fact that the 
the the lefty lefties don't want me but realizing down here by myself that those are actually still my beliefs that I do like being vegetarian because I love animals, even though I started eating meat again uh, a couple years ago uh, that, you know, I do. I will stand up for injustice, whether it's Black Lives Matter, whether it's Palestinians, whether it's someone I see being bullied on the street like it's really exciting. And in the sense that I feel like, you know what? I can get shit from losers on the right and on the left on, on social media, but nobody can say that I'm doing this for anything other than this is what I believe to be right. Um, and before that was always kind of in question, you know, am I going on this show because I kind of want to start courting a right wing audience? Am I, that was always kind of in the back of my head. And now it's like, Hey, everything I'm doing is a horrible business decision. I guess I'm just doing it because I believe it. And where that ties into the centrist thing you said is I think that is you're right. The term centrist gets blown up like it's this valiant thing. When in reality, the majority of Congress and the Senate are centrist in the sense that they have no morals. Sure. And they're just doing whatever will make them money or whatever mm -hmm. will get them elected. So that to me as a centrist is fucking gross. Yep. Even when I was going on Glenn Beck show or whatever, I was always saying like, there are certain things I will never see the other side about racism, homophobia, sexism, etc. However, maybe we phrase it as I thought about this when you were talking, Daniele, maybe we phrase it as, Let's all be centrists when it comes to the information we take in. And what I mean by that is let's be open to hear everything. Sure. Um, right. Like before, when I was on the super left, I didn't even listen to people on the right. I didn't listen to why they didn't want universal health care. I, I just thought they wanted kids to die. I didn't listen to people who were responsible gun owners. I just thought they didn't care about school shootings by listening and even befriending people that I disagree with, it's either made my convictions stronger or my God, I get to change someone's mind, which is so much better than just screaming at someone that he's a fucking Nazi. So maybe it's like, yeah, let's be open-minded and centrist with who we listen to. But man, once you know what you believe and you want to defend the right thing. We should be fucking staunch mm -hmm. and uh, on that. Absolutely. And I think that's what makes this whole thing uh, interesting because it really boils down to kind of intellectual honesty. I mean, it, in some ways, the same theme, even though it sounds like we're talking about different things. You know, when you're talking about art and create creativity and like kind of finding your own voice and wanting to create your stuff, regardless of what a good market decision would be, whether you're talking about politics, you're really saying the same thing because ultimately you're saying, look, I want to have the freedom to call it as I see it. Not because I belong to some, not because of the, some business decision, not because I care about everybody accepting me in one little side of the political spectrum and so that I can fit neatly into that box. 
I want to be free to be me in the sense that I want to do the cartoon uh, girl and monster. I'll do the cartoon girl and monster. I want to say something that's very leftist. I will. But also I will say something that some leftist people will be unhappy with. And that's life because that's the way I see it in this one particular occasion. And, and, you know, you're right. I mean, people would be perfectly comfortable if you were 100% leftist and you go full scale, uh, the left is evil and you play Jerry Rubin, Candace Owens, or, you know, some of those folks who obviously do it for the money, where there's not even a question that that's their journey. It's like they see the dollar sign and they run toward it. But who wants to hang out with Dennis Miller? Right. But And then there's that. And then also there's the fact that now, you know, as you say, if you were like, oh, look, I had a moment of weakness. Now I found my way back. I'm 100 percent cancel culture. Let, you know, all of it, like pull off every single stop on the leftist playbook, including the ones that you don't find particularly brilliant. Again, you would be selling out, not for the money. But in t- and again, some people, it's not that they do it for the money. Some people, they do it because it's comfortable, because, you know, what they are buying is not a financial success, is not a career. They are buying an identity. An identity goes a long way to make people feel better about their place in the world, to make them feel safer, to make them feel that they have a tribe that back them up, to make them all that shit, right? So sometimes people will make absolutely suicidal decisions business-wise in the name of buying into their new identity or something. So it's not selling out now, in yeah. purely a money terms. It's selling out about, you know, maybe it's just as simple as I want to fit somewhere. I want to belong somewhere. And so it doesn't matter that I have to kill my individuality in order to fit in that box. I will do it because I need it, you know? Well, dude, I mean, that was happening more with me. Like, I was broke and needed money. But when I went to like Ben Shapiro's network, I just had people being nice to me. And I was like, oh, or people being like, hey, what happened to you was bullshit. And I was like, oh, and I just wanted friends and I just wanted to feel comforted and I just wanted to feel like I had backup. And, you know, uh, luckily, I didn't pursue any of that. But but I I, kind of took an intellectual approach where I go, all right. I'm going to watch some Ben Shapiro and maybe I'll, maybe I'll agree with them. And then I did. And I go, Nope, I'm not going to agree with them. When and, did your vision return? You know, then when I just stopped talking about politics, suddenly I had, I mean, the majority of people who listen to my podcast are women. I just had so many people of all different politics, genders, sexual, whatever, reaching out uh, and liking what I do. And I, I just went, Oh, you know what? I'm just going to make the work I want to make. I'm just going to make good work. And then people will, come to me for that but you're 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 so right about people just wanting to fit in and have friends and not get in trouble on twitter and not and it's it 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 strips away a lot of authenticity um when it comes to your own beliefs where you just go what am i supposed to believe what does my tribe believe and now that i'm off twitter and i don't watch the news really i hear about something and i get to just make up my mind and i will say that the problem with cancel culture in general isn't that we're uh evolving i think it's good it's not that you know we can't say these things anymore like that's good i'm glad people aren't dropping the n-word or or whatever the problem with cancel culture is we're not rooting for people to like evolve as human beings you know, um, 
we're not rooting for forgiveness where that's what you were saying before Daniele. if someone's like hey i changed my mind on this or hey i'm you know this is how i feel now automatically you're marked this like a uh, grifter as opposed to we should all encourage each other to grow and evolve and maybe even change your position on certain ideas. That doesn't always mean that you're trying to fit into a, a, a certain social media click. It could just mean you're growing up or it could just mean you receive, you receive new information or it could mean that you genuinely apologize for something and you want to change. And I think if people don't see any, path to redemption they're just going to double down on being an asshole absolutely <laughs> and i think you know one of the problems we, you know to me like a way to tell i guess to tell a grifter or to tell a true believer but still kind of in the throes of dogma is real simple is if every single one of your stances and beliefs i can predict it before you say anything about any particular topic i can predict it because i know what the box you identify with is going to say so I know that you're going to repeat the exact same thing about every single one of those issues. Well, then I know that there's not an individual there. There's somebody who's either doing it for the money or there's somebody who's so desperate to belong that is waiting to find out what their side say and then they're going to parrot it because, again, Dude, it boils down to their identity. Nothing is sadder. I remember I was at a jiu-jitsu gym and uh, this guy heard me talking about healthcare with the coach uh -huh. and he came up and was like, well, if, and he clearly was just reciting talking points he heard on a podcast. Yep. And, and I just said to him, I go, what podcast did you hear that on? And he just goes, uh, I go, that's not your line. Like you're just parroting some bullshit you heard. I'm like, I'll have a conversation with you. But anytime I would go to be like, how do you feel about this? He would go to this fucking parroted analogy. And I was just like, bro. For a bunch of people who are constantly talking about how we ought to think for ourselves, man, it's like you're just as fucking bad as the people you're criticizing. Absolutely. Yeah. No, and I think that's uh, that's one of the traps of this stuff, that, again, identity is a seductive beast, and it doesn't matter which identity, you know, because you can have the rebel identity, the punk identity, the absolutely off the mainstream identity. And it still is a playbook. You know, you still need to dress a certain way, have certain beliefs, eat only certain, you know, all you need to pull off all the stops to fit in into that model. That's yes. why I love the good old Bruce Lee approach about how about you just tell every one of these things to, you know, it's not just you tell them to fuck off because you borrow elements from many, many, many different sources but again, these are a means to an end. You borrow elements from sources. You're not buying an entire identity that you're going to wear 100%. You borrow whatever makes sense to you from whatever source it comes from. And then you mix it in what ultimately is your personality, your individual take. Yes. And like, uh, so what you're saying is I'm like Bruce Lee. Um, yes, but that's look exactly at what I said. We, we, we decided you are like Bruce Lee and you cause COVID. Those and you have no the... fear which nostril the nose ring goes in because you are your own person. Exactly. And you can exactly. deal with either left or right or center even. Amazing. That's well, that's what I've been discovering with the whole Black Lives Matter where it's like, oh, all these centerists that loved me when I called out the left, it's like I post Black Lives Matter stuff and yeah, suddenly 
they're just as outraged. It's like, of oh, course. you're not a centerist. You're a fucking racist. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you look at Bruce Lee or you look at Bill Hicks or you look at these guys. It's like we can look at them now as these ballsy counterculture spoke out against whatever. But like the amount of shit they went through, oh, yeah. you know, like we look at or like fucking Muhammad Ali, you yeah. know, these, like they suffered. We put them through such shit for having that attitude that you just described but you got to just believe like you got to just fucking stick it out man because look how much good they did too you know yeah and also cuz ultimately again at the end of the day it's more fun to figure out who you are and to be that person than it is to just uh borrow some used up ideological clothing and and wear that 24/7 you know, in one case, right. you actually have a life. In another case, you are just kind of taking up space and being a robot with a with, with program downloaded in your brain, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, even the thing like what you were saying earlier, the mask thing is hilarious. Like the day when you have masks being an ideological political issue, that, that's a sad day because it's like, as you said, who would have does... 99.99.999% of the people who have a strong opinion about masks really have a hard scientific background to understand it? Of course, fucking no. So right. we all go like, well, I probably, I mean, it makes sense that you, know, you spit stuff out as you talk, as you sing, as you breathe, as you cough, maybe putting something that makes stuff projectile less would help out. That's probably realistically the best understanding that most of us have. And it seems like a fair enough one that is like anybody who is not, doesn't have an ideological bent on this who go like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. We should, you know, sound good. There should be, that's not a political issue ever. Yeah. You know, the fact that that can turn into a political issue, say something. Yeah. By the way, if you guys uh, are wondering my response and want to hear about my nuanced, subversive political comedy that I do on Instagram, the video I made having to do with masks becoming a political issue is titled, you guys, this is, it's like I'm Shakespeare or Kurt Vonnegut. Uh, it's titled, <laughs> if masks stop COVID, then why can't I make my wife come? And uh, it's a very, it's a very angry video about a guy blaming masks for not being able to make his wife come. So that is the kind of hard hitting social commentary you will get. If you follow me on Instagram. Oh, man, I missed that. God damn it. I have to go back to Instagram and find it. You, you oh, Daniele, it's going to be your... You've been so supportive about the videos you like. This one, I'm sending it to you right now. It's Beautiful. absolutely going to... I can guarantee you it's going to be your favorite one I've done. Beautiful. Well, I we figured forward. the low-cost Viagra was going to save the planet all by itself so that these fellas that couldn't get their hands on it might finally chill the fuck out. Uh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Shout out to Blue Chew for being our former sponsor. They Hell haven't yeah. been in a long time, but we still appreciate their services. Absolutely. You make a happy person happier. Yes. I'm uh, legitimately afraid to try Blue Chew. You never tried Blue Chew? Are you serious? I, I haven't. No, I, no, I'm like, I'm fucking horny enough. I don't think I... I don't well, think I mean, I wouldn't do it, you know, when you are alone at home with your grandma or something, but, <laughs> you know... It's like, I've not suggested that you locked up in quarantine somewhere, pop blue chew just because. But, you know, when uh, when there's a lovely lady who needs your attention and uh, you feel like, man, I feel the pressure is on, I'm a little tired or I'm a little nervous about it, performance anxiety, that yeah. will 
Take it all away. Yeah. If you oh want that, if you want that 19 year old cock to return for a few hours to wreck something, yeah, it'll take care of it and then be on its way to wreck something. Uh, <laughs> all right, all right. Well, I gotta wait till quarantine's over, or else I'm gonna go from being I'm gonna go back to maxing out my credit cards as I just hire escorts. <laughs> Tucson's finest, baby. That's by the way, something people that I'm extremely worried about the poor sex workers in the middle of COVID that cannot be a good life right now. So yeah, I I was wondering that I definitely thought about it. I've actually been thinking about sex workers a lot where if it was legal, if it was legal and safe and regulated and the women were being treated well, it would stop a lot of heartbreak, right? Like there, cause even like casual dating, like I stopped dating on dating apps in LA because I was like, if I would, even if I was clear and said, Hey, I'm not looking for a relationship and would go out and, and they'd be cool with it and would have sex and it would be great. And then the next day it's like, I'm breaking up with someone. It's just this dramatic, sad thing. I could have spent, you know, so let's say $500 is a decent escort, right? That is it's a couple dates. It's like a month worth of casually seeing any somebody with zero drama, with nobody getting hurt. That seems like a perfect fucking solution. Especially with the expertise blended in. Yeah. Oh my god! Right, the expertise, no pressure. I don't need to fucking blue chew it up because I can. <laughs> it doesn't matter. She's not going to tell her friends. Um, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it, 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 it's fucking perfect. That's but we're just a bunch of weird little fucking prudes. That's one thing, in fact, that I find really weird. I mean, I appreciate the fact that weed is becoming legal in more places and there are, you know, but among the various uh, sort of social libertarian causes in terms of personal freedom, I find very odd that when it comes to sex work, it's really low on the priority list of most people. Like, you know, you hear... Just about every other state is beginning to legalize weed, but only like the boonies in Nevada in the middle of nowhere have legalized um, sex work. Otherwise, it's very, very, very frowned upon, if not downright heavily legal, depending on where you go. Imagine how many incels' lives would change. Yep. If- although, although I don't know if I hate sex workers enough to want to force them to deal with incels. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you 100. percent Nobody people always that. said that whenever there back. was like some sexist guy who like was in a school shooting uh, or would like mow down yeah. a bunch of people, and they'd be like, "Oh, you should have just gone to a prostitute." I was like, "Don't make some poor prostitute fuck that guy." No, but but maybe five years before he wouldn't have gotten to be so shitty. Maybe yes. maybe that's the logic. Not by the time he reaches that stage. No, that's way too late. It's way we too need to we need yeah. to uh, 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 minority report sex worker them. Is <laughs> <laughs> what has to happen. But like, so to answer your question is, I think part of it is just fucking sexism. I uh-huh. think there are a lot of guys who will look at a sex worker, even though that fuck a sex worker, they'll look at a sex worker and just uh, automatically slut shame her, be like, she's a whore, she doesn't deserve, reg- you know, because uh, yep. essentially legalizing it, people are fucking them right now. I've fucked sex workers. Um, it's just not safe for the women. Legalizing it would just make it safe for the women. But I yep. also think there's another layer which is also kind of rooted in sexism, but I, I had um, 
Whitney Miller on my podcast, who she was uh, Aubrey Marcus's ex, and and I'm not referring to her as like the girlfriend of someone, but they together publicly oftentimes talked about uh, being in an open relationship. And yep. so when Whitney and I were talking about it, the amount of shit, especially her, but Aubrey would get it too, that they would get when they would talk about their open relationship from people furious in the comments. I mean, yep. the only thing that comes close to the amount of fury is when I told people I was vegan back in the day. <laughs> and I think that a lot of it comes from projection where when you go, Hey, I'm in an open relationship. A guy only hears, Oh, what? So uh, my wife's going to fuck other guys. And it's like, no, dude, no one was saying your wife has to fuck other guys. They were just saying that they're in an open relationship. And the same thing when I would say I'm vegan. They go, oh, what? So, so I hate animals? And it's like, fucking no, calm down. I just don't eat animals. And I think that there's something very deep down with guys where it's like the more sexual freedom we give women, the more afraid I am that my wife's going to want to bang other dudes. Mm -hmm. And so they want to keep sex workers toned down. They want to keep open relationships toned down. Anything, anything where like they're afraid that their girlfriend's going to get wind and that they can fuck other cock. They just want hush, hush, hush. Does that make sense? Do you think there's any validity to that? I think so. And also, in a weird enough way, the sexism, in a paradoxical way, even come from women. Because I've seen some of the worst kind of slut-shaming coming from women against other yes. women. That's also, you know, it's not just uh, guys doing that to women. It's also women doing that to women. A hundred percent. Where it's like, oh, well, then my guy's going to want to run off with you. It's like, how about... You just be a good enough girlfriend where uh, some guy's not going to fucking pretty woman you and leave you for an escort. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting, though, because it's... Uh, but all of I... this comes down to ego. Everything mm -hmm. we've talked about, from tribalism, from politics. Look at me being such a pro. See, we're on an hour, and I'm, like, doing the wrap-up. Wrapping it up. <laughs> to sex workers, where it's... We are scared. And until that we can admit to ourselves that we're fucking scared, we are always going to be seeking out tribes or seeking out to demonize other people. We're demonizing sex workers because we don't want our wife to or our boyfriend to want to fuck other people. We demonize uh, open relationships because maybe we're, because we're, we're jealous because we're jealous and we could never picture ourselves being able to be in an open relationship because we know we're jealous. We demonize the other side, you know, I mean, fuck, I would demonize people who used to run because I was out of shape. So I'd go, oh, fuck those people. What are they running from? It's like, no, I <laughs> didn't want to run. Like, that was it. And so I think that if we can just, instead of putting all of the focus outwards, if we could just every day look inside and be like, what can I do better? How can I be a better person? How can I help humanity? How can I whatever? Instead of just judging other people, then yeah, maybe we don't fit into a fucking box but we can live a life that's actually rewarding instead of constantly being another in fear of what others are doing. Wow. And then we might actually start taking care of each other. And then where will we be? That's that's a challenge. Yeah. Fucked.
Chat. Jamie, you are the man. Yeah. We enjoyed deeply our conversation. Um, now maybe you you can go get something to eat other than ice cream and coffee. I am so hungry. My body is just like nutrients. My throat is completely dry. Yeah, no, I love you guys so much. I was really excited to do it. Um, if you guys want to check out my podcast, it's called A Fuck Up's Guide to Self-Help. It's free. Uh, and then, yeah, I'm trying to stay off Twitter and Facebook while everyone's being toxic. So if you want to see my my funny videos, they just, ah, the fucking fools, they just verified me on Instagram. It's at uh, the Jamie Kilstein on Instagram. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty good about answering DMs, especially. We didn't talk about it a ton, but I talk a lot about mental health on my podcast. So uh, you guys always Feel free to reach out uh, if you need if you need a help from a stranger. That's all I got to promote. Perfect. Cool, man. Thank Thanks, you Jamie. so much. All right. Love you guys. That was cool. Fuck yeah. Well, the funky music means one thing. That's the end of another fine episode of the Drunken Dallas Podcast. Jamie is always a fantastic guest. You just sort of wind him up and let him roll. Yep. And um, I like Jamie. Yeah, He's I cool. do too. That was excellent. He's a sweet guy too. A bunch of times I, he called out. He reached out when I was in a shitty mood. He has always been sweet. He's always been a very sweet guy. So I yep. like him. He seems to be on the side of the people. Yeah. He's the man. Um, anything we need to throw out there? Nothing too crazy. Gardens are going good. Cool. The comet has come and gone pretty much. Kiva.org uh, if people want to. Kiva.org for sure. It continues to grow. Everybody is still lending out, and you can definitely join us. It would be a blast if you would. Kiva.org, and you can join Team Drunken Dallas and join your fellow listeners. We're going to have 5,000 loans made probably by now. That's awesome. Yeah. So Sweet. thanks for all that. That's it. Cool. You guys have a great day. Bye. Beautiful. So ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Dows Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as they come out. You can keep track of Daniele at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. We'll see you all soon. Woo! I don't want to hear this. No, you don't. <laughs> in questo cazzo, in questo caso, le providenza di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, huh? Oh, man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs>
This was great. Fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. I have nothing against chicken other than the fact that they are ugly and weird and strange. We've been yeah, having a great hour nice. here. Dun, dun, dun. I completely got lost. Are we doing the outro or the intro? We're right? outro. Oh, we're outro. Okay, sorry. So that's. <laughs> So let's continue. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and... Uh, uh, your accent, it just... Whatever that movie is you were trying to tell me about... Can you translate for me, please? I believe the word was Tombstone. Yeah, that one, exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> now, most everybody thought... <coughs> Sorry. Well... <coughs> We'll do a cut on there. Or not. That was something else. <laughs> That's maybe too powerful. <laughs> what do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work. Funky. Podcasting. It's like radio, but you can cuss. Why?